Hello, my name is Reverend Casey Carbone, and you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We are currently worshiping on Sundays at 10 a.m., both on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. We hope that this message provides you with a source of encouragement and allows you to grow more deeply in your faith as we all continue to seek to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Our second scripture reading for today was previously listed as something else in the bulletin, but I had a change of heart and picked a a different scripture from the lectionary. So our new reading for today comes to us from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 20 to 33. I invite us now to hear the words of our gospel reading. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and they said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went up and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Verily, truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, And where I am, there will my servants be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world, the rulers of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a lot going on in our passage today. And I wonder if you all are able to pick up on it. For me, I I have this nagging thought. Do you ever wonder if the Greeks, the Gentiles who came to see Jesus, do you ever wonder if they ever found what it was they were looking for? 
I do. I wonder if they walked away feeling discouraged or filled with hope or somewhere in between. The Greek Gentiles came in search of Jesus just as we come to seek Jesus as well. So what is it that you are looking for when you come to see Jesus? What pushes you or what drives you to keep going forward to seek after something that only Christ can offer? What do you hope to find? Again, this is a question I find myself asking. It's a question I find myself asking, especially as I consider the shootings in Atlanta this past week in correlation with the significant rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans. This question of what do you hope to find? Really, what do you hope to find on your Jesus journey? This is an important question to ask. It's important to ask because if our quest to find the answer leads us to embrace fear or hate, what we find won't be genuine or authentic or of God. Instead, what we'll find is a monstrous manifestation of the pure evils of this world covered in the blood of innocence. So again, I'll ask you, what do you hope to find on your Jesus journey. As we draw closer to Holy Week and the events of Good Friday and Easter, there's a chance you know what you're looking for when you come before Jesus and ask the same question the Gentiles did. But I think there's a greater chance that you're like most other people, which is that you're not sure what you're looking for when you come to Jesus. Over the course of Jesus' ministry, many people searched for something that would satisfy their heart's longings. Our hearts are longing for something. They're yearning to be filled. Yet we soon quickly learn that what we thought we needed wasn't actually what we realistically required. We may think that sticking to people who are like us, for example, will fill our souls. We may believe that pitting people against each other will fill our souls. But none of these things are actually a part of the life that Jesus offers. None of these things are components of what Jesus offers when he asks, when we ask, what do I need to gain eternal lives? Our life together our lives together are messy and they're complex. And we must be willing to cast aside what is not needed and to call out evil for what it truly is.
Then, we may discover that we are only a few steps away from what it was we were hoping to discover. For the Greek Gentiles who came to Jesus, one might assume they had been a part of the Greek diaspora, the dispersion of the Greek people across many different lands. When they heard that Jesus was going to depart from Jerusalem, they might have assumed Jesus was going to leave Jerusalem and focus on the Gentiles, people who are like them, focus on their needs and concerns. But that isn't anything at all what Jesus had in mind. Our Jesus journey will reveal that Jesus doesn't want us to stay within the confines of our culturally homogenous bubble. Jesus wants to draw people in, as we heard in our reading. Jesus wants to draw people in from all four corners, from places that go beyond our cultural horizon. Jesus is looking for us, looking for people who speak different languages, people who come from different ideological or philosophical backgrounds, people who are of different genders or sexualities. That is what Jesus is looking for. Imperfect people who make up a community of God's beloved. Jesus just doesn't hop from one bubble to the next, but Jesus tries to merge these bubbles together. Jesus tears down those barriers we try to erect to show us that our life together is not complete until we accept the fact Jesus came for all and Jesus welcomes all. That is the truth, the good news of the gospel. So we really need to stop and ask ourselves, are we really ready to hear and embrace that good news of Jesus? Our quest to answer the question, what do you hope to find on your Jesus journey? I think soon reveals that it takes a deep level of commitment on our part. In Jesus' pondering after the Gentiles ask if they can see him, he responds by saying that they need to take our that they need to take their desire to follow Jesus to the next level. It's not enough that the Greeks want to see Jesus. It's not enough to want to see Jesus. And it's not enough for us to want to see Jesus unless we are ready to witness the trauma of Christ's crucifixion and the almost continuation of Christ's death on the cross, whenever we commit acts of oppression or hate or death that lead to harm or cause hopelessness in someone else's life, it's not enough to want to see Jesus if we aren't ready to embrace or witness the trauma of the cross. 
But it's also not enough to want to see Jesus unless we are ready as well to witness the resurrection's transformative power that spurs us on as well. Spurs us on to live as new people who denounce the ways of death we have mastered and turn instead to the light and life of Christ. Friends, it is not enough for us to simply want to see Jesus. It's a start. Don't get me wrong, it is a start. But it is not enough for us to simply want to see Jesus. We also must desire to experience Jesus holistically. For all the good, all the bad, for all the hope and transformation that Jesus brings. Then we may discover what Jesus has been trying to show us from the very beginning, which Jesus offers in the next few chapters. We're in John chapter 15, verse 12. Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, the thing about these gospel readings, these stories, <laughs> is that we're never told always what happens at the end. At the end of the day, we aren't told what happens to the two Greek Gentiles who came in search of Jesus. Again, we ask, did they walk away being filled with hope, or were they a little dismayed at what Jesus said? And after our reflection, we might say it was probably somewhere in between. Whenever we come to Jesus looking for something, the offered words of Jesus will most likely feel like an abrasive surface rubbing up against us. That's what Jesus does, though. Jesus is loving, of course, but Jesus also knows when to be that abrasive force that rubs away our fear, that rubs away our distrust, our malice, to reveal the layers underneath, which is what life could be, should be, if we could only lean a little harder into the life-giving promises of God. And that's scary, I know. It's scary to have those layers peeled away because it's the only thing we've known. But Jesus, Jesus reminds us as we head into this upcoming Holy Week that this is not how life should always be. Jesus doesn't ask us to settle for the status quo. As Jesus himself says that the rulers of every age will eventually fade away. They fade away to reveal that Jesus has come to gather all unto himself. That the type of community we will join 
will look different from what we might think it is for sure. Because it's a place that will require trust, a place that requires us to be vulnerable. It is a place that requires us as a church to not back down from having hard conversations about things going on in our community. I want to end on another thought, though, as paradoxical as it may be. So stay with me as I hear Karen give a little chuckle. What we find, or what if we find, what if we find or what if we can't find the thing that will fill our souls unless we invite the other into our space and welcome them as fellow companion on our pilgrim's journey. I come back to Andrew and Philip, disciples of Jesus, Jewish disciples of Jesus, who also did not have all the answers to life, to faith. But like the Greeks, they sought to be in the presence of Christ. Perhaps we ourselves should not think about answering this question of what will we find in an individual sense, but what will we find as a community? Andrew and Philip welcomed people who were not like them to find Jesus. And in doing so, they took steps closer to fulfilling what it was Jesus wanted them to know all along. So how are we welcoming people to Jesus like Andrew and Philip who welcomed the Greek Gentiles? How will we welcome those who are not like us? I think once we have the answer to that question, we'll be closer to understanding what it is Jesus wants us to find in the fellowship we share with all humanity. Because our Jesus journey is not an individual journey or a journey made up of people who look or talk or believe the same things as us. It's a rainbow tapestry which tells the tale of every pilgrim who wants to see Jesus, who gathers everyone. Jesus who gathers everyone, and I mean everyone, together. Let that be what we are looking for on our Jesus journey this Lenten season. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.